Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome along, welcome to Le Bourgeois podcast coming up in the next hour or so. Derby delight for Puel as Saint-Étienne drive a stake through Silvino's lion heart. Paris Saint-Germain put Angers to the sword, but both Marseille and Monaco are left gasping for life as Amiens and Montpellier show no mercy to Ligue 1's big guns. A little bit of a, a violent intro, but uh, David Crossan, you're going to, to bring a bit of... Uh, softness and and love and care to the pod welcome yeah maybe i'm a bit grumpy this morning matt dave has been in a in a real grump a heavy weekend for you you finished late uh, after commentating the uh, the derby more about that in a second i'll just uh, introduce robbie thompson who is is back having missed last week welcome rob that's right i was off in istanbul last last week so missed the pod unfortunately but had a listen very good well done lads and uh, pleased to be back very nice. Successful trip for you as well with a victory for Paris Saint-Germain in, in, in Galatasaray. Absolutely. A good win. Incredible atmosphere. I, I had never seen a game in Istanbul before and it was really something very special. Hats off the Galatasaray so, yeah. fans as well and the Paris fans that travelled there. It is definitely a stadium that I would love to, to visit one day. Armel Tanguy was also off on his travels in a, another uh, footballing hotbed, uh, Naples, last weekend. How was that, Armel? Hi, yeah, it was great. Went to the San Pauli and equally can say it was a brilliant atmosphere, but dreadful organisation. Got in 25 minutes after kickoff. Anyway, enough of that. That wasn't the Italians' fault. That was uh, your fault? No, 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 that was the Italians' oh, fault. Really? It was about 40,000 people being funneled through oh, yes. four I think I saw single Tom entrances. Tom Williams had posted a photo was, of it as well. Yeah, you were at the same place, him, so. same gate. Yep, same gate, same queue. <laughs> well, it's not all as, uh, as well organised as, uh, as, as Ligue 1, of course. You know, the stadium's... Uh, a full and uh, organisation, usually impeccable. David Crossan was uh, was at the big one, the Stade Joffre Guichard last night. It was the 119th Rhône-Alpes derby between Saint-Étienne and Lyon. It was Claude Puel's first game as Lyon manager. And uh, it was, uh, well, let's hear. Let's hear what happened. Dave Crossan was commentating. Budabuz. Beric is free. Robert Beric to be the hero. Late on, the substitute with his first of the season. Over Lopez and into the corner for 1-0. A special derby moment for Robert Beric and Levera Saint-Étienne. Dave, it was a slow burner. I think it's fair to say uh, uh, Saint-Étienne and, and Lyon, but uh, an incredible twist, or certainly as far as Saint-Étienne are concerned, a fantastic climax to the game. Robert Beric coming on and, uh, and scoring. And Lyon are in trouble, aren't they? They really are in trouble and Jean-Michel Olas says that uh, something has to change. We thought that Silvino had bought himself some time with a decent performance and the win against Leipzig in midweek in the Champions League. He stuck with the same system, the three centre-halves. Anderson at least is starting to look better, the club record signing. Uh, but the way they set up again, you just think for a, a club with that squad... They're playing to nick a 1-0 win, basically. And they should be a lot better than that. They're only a point above the bottom now. And Silvino doesn't know what's going to happen in his future. Janino is going to have some high-level meetings with Jean-Michel Olas during this international window. And it does seem like something's got to give. And it could be Silvino. He's, he's in big trouble, isn't he? Because, yes, they got a tremendous win away to Leipzig. But let's be honest, uh, if there was one game he had to win or if there was one game he couldn't afford to lose, it was on Sunday night. And Robbie, again... He left, he left Moussa Dembele on, on the bench. He went with Depay and Terrier. Um, but like Dave says, there's so much caution. We saw it against PSG. Mm. Well, they, that's what I was just going to say. They Two tried weeks to ago, get a nil-nil. They played at home without any ambition. And now we see a, a side that should be... I mean, as Dave said, that this is the one they have to win. They have to take this game to Saint-Étienne. Saint-Étienne came into the game rock bottom, 20th in the league, with a coach who'd been there for less than 48 hours. All of that means that this is unacceptable for Olympic Lyonnais. And the fans, who are vocal fans, they're going to start having words. They've already had long debates with the players after matches where they've vented their, their frustration with uh, the fans. And now I think it's going to be Jean-Michel Olas's turn. Armel, he's going to go. Silvino in the next 10 days. What do you think? We've got the international break. Jean-Michel Olas, uh, as Dave said uh, after the game, said something has to change. He said it's up to Juninho. He said something is going to have to change. It'd be a tough decision for Juninho to 
sack the man he brought in after just nine games, but there's a lack of cohesion in the way Leon play and as you mentioned earlier leaving Dembele on the bench is just nonsensical when you look at how the guy's played every time he's been given an opportunity well, they won they, they won 2-0 in Leipzig with Dembele on the bench granted but I mean they won 2-0 in Leipzig they lost 1-0 against the bottom team in Ligue 1 this yeah. weekend without him I, it, same goes for Jeffrey Adelaide he didn't he didn't play in the Champions League but he played in the previous round and he was their like, best Alwar player. Alwar is in for Ren Adelaide, basically, and he's had his two best games of the season True. against Saint-Étienne and against well. Leipzig. And he's suited to that 3-4-1-2 system. Um, the, the Terrier Depay up front thing worked really well against Leipzig because they harried the defenders and Terrier is very mobile. He wasn't as good against Saint-Étienne yesterday. Uh, Dembele, when he did come on, nearly... Uh, repeated the history of last year with a header down into the boards of the bottom corner. Jesse Moulin made the save, but instead it was Saint-Étienne with the late winner and late goals have been a problem for Lyon this season. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Saint-Étienne because it's a massive result for them. But Dave, just to, to, to finish, if you like, on, on Silvino, do you, do you feel he, is, he looks like he's out of his depth? Do you feel that you know, is the coat too big for him? I don't know if that's... Well, the an, suit an doesn't fit. and I, He's quite impeccably tailored. I've spoken about that before. I think he's... <laughs> he, he does spend a lot of time in his appearance before going out to coach. But he does look out of his depth in the press conferences, not helped by the language problems. Mm. And events are conspiring against him. The Boudaboos cross from the right. That was the position that Leo Dubois was defending. Dubois was captain, but he went off nine minutes from the end with hamstring trouble. Boudaboo's got the cross in from the right-hand side. Marcelo let Beric free and Beric scored. And he'd made his three changes and you can't criticise him for that. He was trying to win the game. He put on Dembele. He put on John Lucas to add some running power in midfield. Uh, and then Dubois goes off and his team concedes. Everything's going against Leon, isn't it, uh, at, at, at the moment? And Dubois having to go off, the cross came from uh, from his flank. And I think the worst thing for Olympic Lyonnais and their, their fans is that this is Silvino's first job and it's probably a massive learning curve and he's probably gaining a lot of experience and learning an awful lot at the moment. But unfortunately for Olympic Lyonnais, they, that's not really the point of the exercise So he could them. be. It's, it's great experience for the coach who might go on to become a great coach in the future. But for the here and now is that this is costing Olympic Lyonnais very, very dearly. Yeah, the only thing is... The, the, the only thing that might save Silvino is, is Jean-Michel Oles' attitude towards coaches. I remember when I arrived in France in um, 2002, 2003, and I rem remember reading L'Equipe. I, I was struggling through it back in those days. My French wasn't great, but uh, the, the Paul Le Guin was getting hammered by the mm -hmm. press. And this isn't good enough. And Lyon are supposed to be building this, uh, this project. They'd won the cup, the Coupe de la Ligue under Santini. And... Um, and Jean-Michel well, Olas, and, and, well. and, uh, they were champions. Jean-Michel, oh yeah, exactly, yeah, sorry. And Jean-Michel Olas came out, and and he kept saying, no, 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 he's my man, he's my, he's my young Arsene Wenger. He used to, he, he used to keep saying. He showed that faith in Le Guen, and Le Guen went on to win three league titles and and built a phenomenal team. Um, um, at that stage, it almost didn't matter who the coach was. That didn't they set records under Alain Perrin, and he still got rid of him at the end of the season. Also, Less so under Claude Puel. Also, Paul Le Guin's now in Ligue 2, but that's another story, of course. And just to go back to your point, you say it was since you arrived in France, 2002-2003, that uh, Olas has been defending coaches. This is Lyon's worst start to a season since '95, So it goes beyond that. He really has to make a decision. Yeah, although Sardinia. I saw a stat as well, that in the last four seasons, um, before this defeat, they had they had suffered just as many defeats in their first eight matches. In the, you know, they've had bad starts in recent seasons as well. They're, they're pretty well placed in the Champions League with, with four points. I don't know. I, 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 I do think there is huge pressure and I wouldn't be surprised if, if Silvino goes. Not, not so much because of the results and the situation, but because I think he looks like he is out of his depth. And, and, and I don't think he looks capable at the moment of turning this around. Never played for the club either. What the players are saying. What the players are saying when they talk to Juninho. Players know, someone like Memphis Depay, who's played in different countries, who's in a full... Dutch international, very experienced player. He's been right behind Silvina. He's been backing uh, Silvina. Yes, he has. Publicly. No, in terms, the players are trying. I know the attitude was impeccable in Leipzig and I wouldn't criticise the work rate last night either. I would criticise the tactics and everything else. But uh, Leo Dubois got the team together for a meal on Monday in a, a fancy restaurant near Lyon. On Tuesday, they celebrated Anthony Lopez's birthday together. No alcohol for the players, but apparently there was a little bit 
for the coaching staff. Um, and then who, the, who are your good sources result? on that, Dave? Yeah, I, I read the papers as well, Matt. I can understand most of it now. <laughs> well, yeah, these meals out are very important in France, particularly in, in Lyon, the capital of, of, of I bet they've been having a lot of food in Saint-Étienne over the last two months. <laughs> Casserie well. especially. I think the celebrations <laughs> went on long into the night in, in Saint-Étienne. It was Claude Puel's first game in charge. He was appointed just 48 hours previously after some pretty... Um, I'd say disappointing words from the uh, from the presidents about Gislain Printemps, the former coach who was and remains a, a very well respected man in football. And you know they, they they basically sacked him, but instead of doing it with with, with class, I was disappointed to hear Romayer saying, "Listen, some people are made out made to be number one, some are made to be number two." Gislain is a, is a number two. The know? fundamental point is right there, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, I would, I would but he, he shouldn't say it publicly. It does one. lack class. He made him number one. No, but there are, there, there are better ways, I think. He has since come out and apologised for, for those words. Maybe he means it with regards to himself as well, because isn't he sort of number two president? Oh, controversial. Is he number two? Always trying to prove that he's number one yeah. now. That he, mm. Although he did say, well, who, the way he was hinting that, that he appointed Pranton against his will, in a way, that he wanted to uh, accede to Jean-Louis Gasset's wishes after Gasset left and give Pranton a chance. I think, it, I think it runs deeper. Who was going for... To bring Gasset back and Romayer wanted Puel. Is that right or was it the other way around? The two presidents, I think that's the two right. co-presidents right. had had yeah. a, a one well, horse each that they were backing for the for the new job, which just underlines just what a potential massive mess Saint-Étienne is in, in the yeah. back room as well. But he's got Puel. He's got Puel, who is no Brendan Rodgers, but he is a very good manager who has won the league previously in, in France with, with Monaco, who's had mixed success at at Lyon he's not very popular well no at Lyon. success at Lyon they but came from no, seven, no seven semi-finals of the Champions League, 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 League and a semi-final in the Champions League um, but anyway he is clearly a man who knows what he's doing and he, I think it's fair to say Dave in those 48 hours if he didn't transform Saint-Étienne he re-energized them it was it was a more competitive feisty Saint-Étienne last night it was, and I thought he made some very interesting team changes compared to Thursday night against Wolfsburg. That he brought in five players. There were a couple of enforced changes, but he really surprised everyone with his front two by picking Lois Dioni and Charles Abbey between them. About forty-five minutes of football in league and this I season. You were forty-five dreadlocks as well. Pretty similar haircuts, yeah. But um, they were picked almost the same for the same reason that Terrier was picked at Leipzig on Wednesday because they made sure that it was very difficult for Leon to play out from the back. They put in a real shift. Oh, yeah, they didn't look particularly threatening in front of goal. But Boudaboos came in as the playmaker. And seasoned French football watchers will know that Riyad Boudaboos is never better than when he's playing in the Sunday night game with well, the big TV yeah. audience. He's more stepovers than substance mm. often. Oh, but he was very good last night. He yeah. hit the post in the first half. Lopez tipped a shot onto the post and then he had the assist for the winning goal for Beric. Um but we'd already seen the improvement in Saint-Étienne's attitude when they beat Nîmes the previous week under Pranton and against Wolfsburg. Uh, William Saliba is back and that helps their defensive balance that Puel chose to mirror Sylvino's three-at-the-back yep. system last night. Uh, and, yeah, encouraging signs for and them. And Kasri dropped. And a big shout. Kasri dropped and they were without probably their most consistent two players, Debussy and Stefan Ruffier. So I think it was a very promising result. Kasri dropped, result. but I've actually not seen him look happier this season. He did the post-match interview and he was beaming. Oh, really? Uh, I think so, he's a good team player, Wabi Kasri at Saint-Étienne these days. It perhaps wasn't always the case in his career, but I think they, they have a good squad. And I think perhaps what's happened to Printemps might also bring the playing squad even even closer I can, together. I can hear producer Ian frothing at the mouth at uh, uh, the, uh, the suggestion that Kasri is a good team player. I'm not sure all Sunderland fans think that in the championship. I'm not sure he rolled his, uh, his, his sleeves up too much. but it's well, a- Perhaps he's changed since then. <laughs> mm, he watched Netflix. Right, they need him to get some goals. I mean, he got 13 last season. He hasn't got off the mark yet this season. Beric got his first last night off the bench. Um, yeah, Puel said he, he could only do limited things in that 48 hours. But you see, he... he Whatever you think of his coaching style, he is very pragmatic. He's very good at getting his message across to his players and he makes his players work hard. And I didn't like his Leon team. I thought they were appalling mm. and they signed really badly in the transfer windows. But he re-established his reputation at Nice after that and I enjoyed that Nice but team. But I think he's a man-manager, isn't he? And in that, this sort of situation, when you're up for a derby, everyone walks out onto that field ready to run through walls. And I think that's something that him and... And coaches like Gorkouf as well, they're, they're incredible motivators in a, 
in a changing room. And I think that's when you come in 48 hours before a big derby, that's what you want, a coach that can and motivate it, it, everyone. Is it fair to say that his press conferences aren't quite so boring in French as they are in English? Because I know that Premier League fans, they, they, they just couldn't get over how boring Claude Puel was. No, he's softly spoken in English. Mm. Not, he's an intelligent guy. Not though. particularly uh, more... I think it's safe to say Saint-Étienne won't be signing Jamie Vardy in January either. No, they don't need Jamie Vardy. They've got Robert Berich. And I just want to have a a word about this guy because he is a big, big fan's favourite at Saint-Étienne, despite the fact... And still never starts a match. Despite the fact he's fairly (laughs) limited. And he doesn't... He's become a super sub. But it's also because of these terrible injuries he had. And a few years ago, he he sustained an awful injury through an awful challenge from Jordan Ferry in the derby. And Saint-Étienne fans have never really forgiven Leon or Jordan Ferry for that. And it makes it, I think, all the more, um, what, what, what's the word? Sa- not savoury. It makes it all the more sweet. Symbolic. Sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Enjoyable for the, for the Saint-Etienne fans that it's that man, Robert Berich, who's come on and he put his header away. Robbie's. Robbie's. <laughs> not savoury. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Berich. Berich. Yeah. He's, it, it's nice, isn't it? It's a nice story because he is a Saint-Etienne man. And, you know, this will go down, even though it was a pretty rubbish game, this will go down in the folklore as one of these memorable derbies because of the last-minute goal. It will, much like uh, Moussa Dembele scoring the 95th-minute winner at the Stade Joffre last year. But um, Beric, I'm, I'm not sure how much he'll actually play under Puel. I don't see him being a, a Puel-style starter. I think he might be confined to this super sub role for some time to come. Great header, though. He is a top finisher. and It is bizarre, but it's true. In modern football, being a great finisher isn't enough to get you the starting shirt nowadays. Ask, ask Moussa Dembele. But Beric, he got a contract extension last year. To most people's surprise, his contract was about to expire. He wasn't playing all that much. Um, got a, a few goals. I think he ended up yeah. with nine last Robbie, season. Robbie and saying, uh, yeah. I think that was a Romeo decision to give him a, another contract. Robbie's saying move on. Robbie wants to talk about PSG. I can sense it. And he's, he's probably right. But before we move on, I just want to say... His nickname, not Robbie's, Berich's, is the Green Terminator. And I think that's one of the best nicknames in football. I thought it was Inspector Berich. Yeah, Inspector I heard Berich. Inspector well, <laughs> it depends who you ask. So in my, in my fantasy land, Luca Elsner is the real inspector, the Amiens coach. I think he's got all the His makings of a great thing. fictional TV detective I'm with Pranton like as the sort of seasoned bloke backing going, him up look, as going, a number two. I'm with to, Robbie, let's move on. We're going to talk about <laughs> Luca Elsner and perhaps Inspector Gadget and more exciting things later but let's hear Dave's commentary because Dave's had a busy weekend that's why he's a little bit tired at the moment but uh, some uh, some great commentary from um, our main man David Cross and he was at he was at the Parc des Princes PSG versus Angers chance here oh and it's a goal Paris Saint-Germain in front Pablo Sarabia's first for his new club Neymar Sarabia yay misses it Icardi can't miss a first part de France goal for Mauro Icardi. Bernat. Sarabia. Oh, great attempted finish. Cleared off the line and Idrissa Gay gets his goal. 3-0 to Paris Saint-Germain. It had to come. And it came to Idrissa Gay. Chupamoting for Neymar. Will he get his goal at last? Neymar rounds the keeper and scores. There's the icing on the cake. Paris Saint-Germain 4, Angers 0. PSG 4, Angers 0. It was first against second, but there was a golfing class between the two teams, Dave. A great week in the end for Paris Saint-Germain with the Champions League win as well. First goals in Ligue 1 for PSG for Sarabia and Idrissa Gay. Icardi and, uh, and, uh, and Neymar on target. Neymar, excellent. Were you impressed by, by Neymar and PSG in general, Dave? Uh, yeah, I was impressed by PSG in general. and Neymar was fun to watch on Saturday, though uh, his usual greedy self, as he had a personal battle with Boutel in the last half hour before eventually getting his goal right at the end. And I, I thought they were very good, actually. Um, the balance in the midfield, as has been noted previously on this podcast, vastly improved with the presence of Idrissa Gay in there. Uh, Herrera showed that he's a, a top squad man by filling in at right back um, with Marquinhos ill and uh, other players like Thomas Meunier uh, struggling with an injury. Um, and doing all of that without Mbappe again, without Cavani, there's going to be fantastic competition for places once everyone is fit. And great for PSG fans to see Icardi get off the mark as well in, in front of the, the popular support. Yeah, having scored as well in the, in the Champions League. That's his first, first goal in Ligue 1. Robbie, 
Um, Idrissa Gay's record since he joined Paris Saint-Germain played eight, won eight, eight clean sheets, 17 goals scored for PSG in those eight games. How, how big an impact has he had? He's had a huge impact. And you can see just by the way everyone celebrated his goal as well, because he's obviously not a normal goal scorer, not a, not a prolific goal scorer. When he scored, he, I actually spoke to him after the game and he said he'd planned. He thought he had a feeling he might score and he wanted to do a tribute to Edinson Cavani and do the, the taking the arrow and firing the, the arrow. But when he scored, he just panicked and got stage fright and, and didn't move. And uh, in the end, it, I think it was Neymar that gives him one of the biggest hugs. And you can see that he's a real popular figure in the changing room. That's one, one impact that he's had. Obviously, on the football pitch, his, his constant running, he's a real box-to-box midfielder that, that doesn't always exist in, in French football, that we don't see too much of. A player that is good in anticipation, is, is good in a challenge. Technically, he, he's solid. But I think the most important thing that he brings to this Paris Saint-Germain squad is that he really is Thomas Tuchel's man. Thomas Tuchel is the one that told Antero Enrique last December, he's the player we want. He's the only one. If you sign anyone this January window. So they signed Paredes instead. Yeah. And they couldn't get him because Everton wouldn't let him go. And so they went and got Leandro Paredes, who also played uh, for Looked stepping better. up for the injured Marquinhos, or ill, as Dave correctly said. Yeah. But but it's that. It's one of those things, two holes, man. When you, when you buy a jumper and it's, uh, you're, you're, you're looking for the, 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 the brand that you want, you can't quite find it, so you buy another one. And, uh, well, it's and like going to the January sales and buying the more expensive jumper yeah. that's not as good. You, 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 exactly. You buy one for 45 million and then you think, well, actually, I don't fancy that one anymore. My point was that Idrissa Gay is, has now arrived and, and he knows exactly what Thomas Tuchel wants. Tuchel will play him in every big game because in, he gives that confidence. And that confidence obviously helps in the balance of the team. Perhaps balance wasn't always there last season. Paris have been scoring less goals this year compared to to previous seasons, even though that four helps. But that as well, the defence is, is rock solid. The, it's, it's all positive. And I think Idrissa Gay is responsible for a lot of the good things happening at PSG at the moment. From the few Paris Saint-Germain games I've seen this season, one thing I really notice about what Gay brings to the team is just giving Marco Verratti that little bit more freedom to, exactly. to twist and turn between players yeah. and be a little bit more creative it, yep. than in past seasons. He's been forced to defend a lot more, help out the, the just in front of the back line. With Gay behind him, he looks so I think, free. I to... think that's a that's a key point because I think Idrissa Gay is the sort of player who makes others look better. And exactly. I think PSG didn't have enough of those players. They had too many players who wanted to make themselves look good. Mm. And you know, and I don't mean that in a, a too derogatory sense, a little bit, but okay, you've <laughs> got you know the Verratis and, and, and Rabios who are terrific football players, but did they have somebody prepared to roll their sleeves up, do the dirty work and, and remain in the shadows? And I think Gay no, exactly. is that. And man. when you were having a, a three-man midfield at times, uh, when you had Rabiot at the base and Draxler playing in one of the more advanced roles, lovely technical players, but just not the same impact mm. that you're going to get on a game now that Marquinhos, forget, is, Marquinhos is more exactly of a defensive well. midfielder now. Mm. And I think he's just got to accept that that's his role. And that's, that's another change for PSG this season, rather than people saying, oh, I'm being played out of position. I don't really like it there. I'm just filling in. Now people seem to have a, a greater acceptance that that is the best way that they can help the team by playing in the position that Thomas Tuchel wants them to. Uh, one word answers to this, uh, chaps. Is the title race over? P- now, PSG at the moment, two points ahead of none, just to let you know. The, the reason I'm asking this question, though, is because their rivals, or their so-called rivals, Marseille, Lyon and Monaco, are languishing way, way behind. So, Armel, is the title race over? Nah. Robbie? No. Dave? Yes. There's still 29 yes. matches left. Exactly. Well, Do we yeah, stop but- now? <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to stop, but I can't see Nantes... You know, Nantes are doing incredibly well. They got a terrific win again, a last-minute goal from Moses Simon against Nice, uh, a 1-0 win for them. Um, but they're not going to keep it up. And sadly, it's Paris' title to lose, of course, but, mm. but that's the way it is. That's the way it was when Lyon were, were the kings in, in France. Look, that's, it's, someone else has to try and put together a consistent run. Monaco did it. Montpellier did it in the, la- in the last decade, you know. And, and it you, can still happen. You say they're la- languishing behind. Yes, they are at this current point. Nine Beyond weeks 12, in. 12 points behind. 12 points behind. 12 points is nothing. <laughs> they'll, they'll be there. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll I've see. never heard of any team blowing a 12 well, point. Well, Paris lead. have lost twice this season as well, which is, has never happened before. So, look, stranger oh things. Newcastle fan Dave has just started crying. No, we better. That was the best we, bit of the weekend, to be honest. We, <laughs> we better move on. Um, one thing 
that PSG might not win this season is the golden boot. And we're going to discuss that now. Just a quick reminder, though, that you're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast. You can ask us questions on hashtag Le Bourgeois or send us an email, ligueunpodcast at gmail.com. Now, the reason I say Paris Saint-Germain might not win the golden boot is because if you look at the top five in the scoring charts, Victor Ossimen, seven goals. Moussa Dembele, Wissam Ben Yedda, Habib Diallo on six goals. Uh, Dario Benedetto on five goals. Who is going to win the golden boot? Robbie, you may you may feel like adding a, a Neymar or an Mbappe or an Icardi to that list. Yes, um, not Icardi perhaps, because I think uh, this first season, although he will you want to impress on loan, certainly Parisian, Neymar Rob. or Mbappe will finish top scorers in Liga on this season. Yes. Not, not Cavani, not on Cavani. Now, once again. Not Cavani. Not at the moment. He's still injured. Dave? <laughs> I think in the very first podcast, after I'd been impressed by Aussie men's debut, I said that he was going to be a 20-goal striker this season. I think I've underestimated him already being on seven. Mm. But I do have a sneaking suspicion that if he doesn't get injured, that Neymar is going to end up as mm. the top scorer. Can, well, can, I, can I not four, be eh? so boring and say Wissam Ben Yedder's going to continue smashing it out the park for Monaco and they'll... Yeah. Keep battling I'm a bit relegation. disappointed that you said that because I was going to say that as a kind of surprise shout. Sorry, you can go with Ethemius Kaloris. Kaloris, who's got four? Yep, four yeah, four for Toulouse. The Greek striker at Toulouse. I'm didn't go for no, Jimmy Brion. Listen, not. Ben Yedda, Ben Yedda, he arrived, Patience. he arrived quite late in the day. Monaco have won two matches only uh, and yet he has got six goals already and I think Monaco, you know, even though their troubles away from home continued at, at the weekend, I think they're going to start winning matches and I think Ben Yedda is just the best obsessed thing for me with goals. About Monaco's front two with Slimani is that they bring back that tried and true big man, little man big combination. Man. You can't beat it. You Cra- cannot beat big man, little man. It works every time. Has it Crouch and Defoe? You close your eyes and you just see Crouch and Defoe when Slimani and Ben Yedder play together. Dave, your favourite big man, little man? Well, that's a very good question. Um, Les Ferdinand, no. Um, no, you, no, you prefer the little man, little man partnership. Beardsley and Cole. Really? Okay. Mm. Robbie, any, any Viduka and... Mark Viduka and anyone. What a legend. <laughs> <laughs> he made everyone look small as well. I'll go the with um, Alan Smith and, and Paul Merson, although Merson didn't play up front for that long. But anyway, who, play, who played alongside John Carew? At, uh, Milan Barros? At, at Leon Barros. Oh, there you a go. Bit. Big man, little man. Yeah, yeah it and does. They, they, it, they, were, they were good as well. It does often Guillaume work. Guillaume Waro, Mevlut Erding. <laughs> you know, quality. Tony Cotty and... Um, Who's, who's the big, big lad up? Duncan Ferguson. Emil Heskey. No, okay, we're, we're, we're going Frank way... McAvenny. Frank McAvenney. <laughs> I think we're going off topic. Well. Yeah. We're going way off topic, but I liked, yeah, I liked Tony Cotty. Anyway, um, <laughs> Monaco. Monaco losing again. So they, they did get a couple of wins at home, but they went away from home to Montpellier and Montpellier effectively outplayed uh, Monaco. Armel Tanguy saw the action. Plenty of pink shirts up there. Flora Mollet is one of them. And he beats his former teammate Benjamin Lecomte to give Montpellier the lead. Mollet delivers the corner, it's Delors with the header, and it's 2-0. It's Pedro Mendes. Monaco needs to be careful at the back here. It's Mollet's ball, it's a brilliant goal. And Andy Delors pulls up, having finished that. But an absolutely fantastic ball in from Florent Mollet. Monaco are down and out here. This would be a historic victory for Michel Dezakarian's men, but it's not over yet as Ben Yedder and Slimani link up and it ends in a goal. A brilliant one too. It's Montpellier three, Monaco one. Armel, that I would I would guess having having watched the the highlights that was a fair a fair result for Montpellier. I did see Benjamin Lecomte made a, a few saves to keep Monaco out, but Montpellier looked looked excellent in that three one win. Montpellier looked good. Excellence probably a little far because Monaco were very poor again. I was surprised. I was excited. I saw myself on the planning commentating Monaco on the back of two good wins against Nice and against Brest. Seven goals scored. They played well for the first 15 minutes or so, and then they just disappeared for the rest of the game. Montpellier, I think, had 14 shots on target at half-time, which, as you said, Matt, made Benjamin Lecomte um, busy, and he reacted well to a, a lot of good chances for Montpellier. But 
it's again I, I I say this every time I'm on the podcast I just don't understand what's going on at Monaco even Ben Yedder and Slimani yes they combined again for another goal another assist for Slimani another goal for Ben Yedder it's all positives looks great in terms of stats for the two of them but they weren't Ben Yedder was dropping deep he's supposed to be their number nine Slimani was way ahead they weren't picking him out with long balls Fabregas was inexistent Balo Torre again I don't know why How about Golovin, Armel? Because Golovin had been really good in recent weeks. I saw he missed a chance and then a red card as well. He was creative. Yeah, put it that way. He was he was looking to, to break the lines like uh, not many other Monaco players. Um, and he was just incredibly frustrated. That that red card came as a second yellow. It was both tackles were just stupid. He... He was just is that frustrated. the problem, guys, uh, with, with Monaco? Not... So many red cards at the moment, I guess well, there is frustration because well, they, they know they're, the not, first they're not getting matches, the results they? they should. And but... with the suspensions that come with them, yeah. And they're important players as well that are, that are getting red carded. But should we not be giving a little bit of credit to Montpellier as well, who are yes. a, a solid side. Duzakarian is a solid coach who mm. tactically can really close down a game. And at the start of the season, we were thinking Montpellier... Uh, were top five material they, it, things could happen for them it wouldn't always be pretty but they're a very tough nut to crack Montpellier and perhaps after a little run of not so many good results this is the start for we them we saw they're, that trio didn't we we saw we saw Mollet, Delors and, uh, and Laborde combining really well and in the highlights that I saw Andy Delors was making Camille Glick look pretty pretty slow well, and isn't more. everyone doing that this season though that's mm. one of Monaco's main problems I know I loved Glick in his first season mm. he was yeah, perhaps same. the signing of that season but mm. he has really regressed since then Florent Mollet one of Robbie's favourite players the French Matty Longstaff as Dave now calls him he, he was he was brilliant his ball in for Delors goal and actually well, his goal as well following his run to make it into the penalty area Montpellier have got a good team underrated team yeah I think uh, Mollet and I'll just throw this one out here and I won't say the most but one of the most a very small bunch most underrated player in Liga he's your new Julian Ferre isn't he Oh, he's no, much listen, more listen, talented. I think than... we need to we need to let Robbie <laughs> oh, no, no, we need to let yes. Robbie have his say here because last year we all giggled a bit when Robbie uh, <laughs> named his his player to watch out for an exciting young player. He wanted to tell us about Bulai Diaz, um, incredible trajectory trajectory um, coming up through the leagues. Uh, Bulai Diaz did you it. All laughed. You know he's having a decent season. He's a, he's a young striker and he is starting to live up to Robbie's uh, uh, big billing. He scored the winner for Rance away to Ren and Robbie. Um, he's coming good. Are we going to see him in the France team soon? Well, three goals. <laughs> Maybe uh, that's going a bit far. Who knows? If he, keep, if he keeps... It took Wissam Ben Yedder uh, several years of scoring 20-plus goals in Spain before he finally got his France call. Um, but Boulaidia has scored away to Marseille, away to Paris, and now away to Rennes. They're three tough places to travel. He's got the three goals. He's not the most astonishing player in the history of, of French football. I think we all agree with that. But in a... In <laughs> You're a, toning it down now. Yet. In a, <laughs> in a Reims side where they need that powerful runner, they don't have Dingomi at the moment, who is a player that offers them some creativity. They don't have um, the, the Albanian... The Albanian... Uh, uh, no, he's not Albanian. He's, he's, he's Kosovo. 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 Sorry. Kosovo. Zanelli. Oh, Zanelli. Zanelli, Zanelli yes, yeah. who's, who's been out for the, the rest of the season. Sorry, excuse it. Excuses, excuses in, in the French uh, <laughs> Someone's going to fly a drone over your house, Rob. <laughs> um, by the way, Reims are up to sixth. And by the way, Ren, it's six without a win now. But Reims, just to finish, Boulaidia gives them that option going forward. He, he, he is a hard runner. He's, he's committed. He's generous in everything that he does. He looks always to find teammates. He's not a selfish striker. He probably could have had two or three more. And they are rock solid at the back. Yunus Abdelhamid and Axel Dizazi at the back are rock solid. I, as I, I well. want to put in a word on Ren actually, because I want to talk about Julian Stefan, who we've praised massively, as everyone has uh, over the last year. But uh, you've got to start fearing for him if this run goes on for much longer, because Ren have shown that uh, they are willing to make decisive decisions quickly. They did it to Sabri Lamouchi after he got them on a terrific league run and qualified them mm -hmm. for Europe, but then decided that it was time for him to go. He's now doing well at Nottingham Forest. Um, and Stefan has to find a way to cope with this fixture list, has to bed in the new players. For me, Rafinha is this year's Kevin Strutman. I've no idea why Rafinha cost over 20 million euros. He's, you young, can find, he's young though, isn't he? But you can find players 
with a, a nice left foot who can cut in from the right anywhere in France, you could have signed Boudaboos for a couple of million and saved yourself a, a, a lot of money. Just briefly jump in and defend Julien Stéphane a little, because if you look at their fixture list, bar the nil-nil draw away to Brest, which they probably should have won and ends up writing letters of complaints about VAR afterwards, mm. they have had a very difficult fixture list since. And when you think they, before that, had beaten PSG, they'd beaten Strasbourg, they'd beaten Montpellier, I think it'll start looking up again. They, they had soon. started, and this was Julien Stéphane. I, I was watching his post-match interview after the game yesterday, and he said, after three matches this season, you were all saying it was the greatest start ever to a Ligue 1 season for Rennes. We were going to challenge. We'd just beaten Paris Saint-Germain. We were real candidates to, to try and win the title now. We were, we were one of the co-favourites behind Paris. And now, yes, things are going tougher. Let's not forget, these sides and French sides seem to have a complex about it. When you qualify for Europe, it seems to use all the mental energy of your players, of, of the club, in European football, and it just destroys your your and, local and to be fair to Stefan, even, even on that three match winning run, he said we're not as good as you all as think we are. Saying. I'm yeah, trying to stop feel, my players feel, reading and listening to all of this stuff. I feel that's related to my to my good girl uh, from a couple of weeks well, ago when perhaps, I said everybody yeah. complains about having but so it's also many matches. Man. The media talk about it so much. The coaches talk about it so much. The players start to believe they can't actually play two games in a week. No, it's not so much that as, yes, well, perhaps, but it's the, the idea of playing in Europe when you're a, a club like this that doesn't normally play European football, the chance to play. You know, Lazio are still a big club. They're, they're an exciting club to play against. Uh, they play Cluj next. They really need to win now uh, their, their next matches. They, they drew with Celtic. You know, all of that, they're, they're exciting matches to play in. And for, for a, a club like Rennes and their players... You know, that takes a lot of energy and, and they've got to get over that experience. They're perhaps in the next three matches or four matches of Europa League, they'll be feeling a little bit better. They won't get so excited. They won't be so down after they don't get a win and they'll be able to focus uh, equally on Ligue 1. Are we certain this only happens in France? Maybe we need Andy Scott with us who knows every league back to front. But I mean... Of European is, results. Is this, yeah. yeah. Is it this only... Are there any Scottish wait, teams in Europe? doesn't get talked about in England so much. Definitely. But are, are Wolves having the same sort of... Yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe other clubs can have the problems, but I feel that there's this stigma in France that if you're in Europe, whoa, it's going to be a big disadvantage. Your league form is going to suffer. And people say it so much that inevitably it, it, it does happen in the end. I just, I just want to move on because we've got... I do want to talk about Marseille as well. Before we talk about Marseille, there's another big club. It's actually doing pretty well. You know, Paolo Sosa, the Bordeaux coach, has, uh, I don't think has sort of captured everybody's imagination immediately, but they've been fairly solid this season. They're up to fourth after winning the Derby de la Garonne, which I think is uh, the worst derby around it in, in Ligue 1, to put it, to put it <laughs> bluntly, especially when it's at Toulouse in front of a half-empty stadium. But they won it by three goals to one. And, uh, and they're doing all right. And they've got a rock at the back these days, Armel, a rock that, that, that you had the pleasure of meeting this week. How was Laurent Koscielny? One of the most professional players in terms of fulfilling his media duties that I've spoken to. Um, he spent half an hour with uh, another media before in the same room. I actually sat through the interview. It was very strange. And then I set up to do The other media was L'Equipe because I read, I yeah, read yeah. that interview on uh, mm. Saturday, I think. Yeah, my but he was—he's—he's—he's he's, he's happy Your with life. Will be more interesting, I'm sure. It is. Even he said so. Yeah. He's happy with life in in Bordeaux. We know that. Yeah, his departure from Arsenal was uh, a little bit difficult. Arsenal wanted to keep him one more year. We know that Nice and Ren were were keen on him. Why why is he at Bordeaux? Um, well, I think Benoit Costil has uh, a lot to do with that. The two are, are quite close. And when I asked him, would you have come to Bordeaux if Benoit Costil hadn't been around? He said, I'll play my Joker card. And is that because Benoit Costil looks like Olivier Giroud? Or, or they no, genuinely but interesting close? you say that because... When I went to see Paolo Sosa at the end of last season, there were, it was in a period where there was real talk of bringing Olivier Giroud to Bordeaux. And I do think that, OK, it didn't happen in the end of the summer. Perhaps we don't know what was going on January. behind the scenes. But I do think in January, Lauren Koscielny is going to have a role to play at Bordeaux in, bringing, in helping bringing players in just because of who he is. And the same way Benoit Costil, OK, he's not quite Lauren Koscielny, is he? But he managed to bring in Koscielny. And he now embodies a project going somewhere. As an, early, an interesting early shout, that Giroud to Bordeaux in, in, in January. Didier Deschamps has been saying it's becoming a problem now. Giroud's not even getting off the bench at Chelsea. Why not? 
Why not? I, I think it'd be a good move for him. I mean, Huang is uh, finding a bit of form. Nicola de Preville, not quite the same position, but he's finding a bit of form as well. I think, Sensational I think there's, goal there, from Huang. It was, wasn't it? I think there's something good going on at Bordeaux right now. And it's not just Paolo Sosa's headshots of himself that he posts after it's every game. It's not just the red wine. Robbie, Dave, uh, can well, you see Bordeaux? I was see just going to say, Matt, on? you said at the start that we don't know that, you know, it's not catching the eye necessarily, Paolo Sousa. But Paolo Sousa's a coach with, with that experience as a player. And he was that defensive midfielder, the one that did, just went about his business. He wasn't trying to catch the eye. He wasn't trying to, to, to be the star of the show. And perhaps that's being reflected in this Bordeaux side now. There are no... There are no frills. Are there, is there a lot of talk about them, a lot of hype around them? I think Koscielny said in that L'Equipe interview, which wasn't as good as Armel's interview, um, that Paolo Sosa probably a language problem. <laughs> is very influenced by his um, Italian experience. Mm. And he's obviously very, very tactical. And Koscielny actually said again in that interview... He's one um, of four players to have won the Champions League back-to-back with different clubs. Koscielny also with... said there's far more tactical work Koscielny didn't in training. didn't do it, Matt, at Arsenal, if you're Sorry? wondering. He didn't win. Koscielny didn't win back-to-back Champions Leagues, but Paolo Sousa No, did. he didn't. He didn't, but he, he did have good uh, nine good seasons. But just, can I just get this word in before someone makes another smarmy comment? Um, Koscielny, uh, yeah, he said that we're working a lot more on tactics than we did at Arsenal, which I found quite interesting, considering Unai Emery's at Arsenal and is supposed to be a, a major tactician. Should we, should we move on, Dave? You got anything? add about Bordeaux? Uh, just I think that they're getting the right sort of characters in. I think Giroud would be a perfect fit and if you've got the spine of the team with uh, Costil and Koscielny and Giroud then you're, you're going places despite their advanced age. I think they could do with one or two more experienced solid players to just get the best out of those youngsters around them. I, I think they can uh, And challenge. then next year we can do what we're doing with Saint-Etienne and saying that they just look old now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Armel is supposed to be on Jimmy Briand watch because you said a few weeks ago you're, you're so excited Jimmy. he's up to 95 league on goals in his career Jimmy, and you're going to take him to his century? I just can't believe it. How can Bordeaux win and Jimmy not score when they get three in a game? Oh, come on, mate. He's on 95 it's still. It's a nervous 90s. You know. Let's urge him on. 429 games 95 goals we're so close Jimmy guys we're coming towards the end of Le Beaujeu but we're going to talk Marseille Marseille who uh, had a promising start under Andre Villas-Boas but uh, three draws in a row and then on Friday night they came unstuck at Amiens watched by Robbie Thompson Kakuta keeps it in play and manages to turn Lopez oh beautifully done can he pick out a spot Girassi oh the shot fantastic save from Stefan Donda now it's in Now Benedetto! Oh, how about that? Out of nothing. 1-1. Otero. Penalty. And a yellow card for Chaleta Tsar. It's soft, but with five minutes to go in this first half, Girassi fires Amiens back in front for the second time in the game. Diabate rides that challenge. Oh, it's a fantastic pass. The chance now for Mendoza. Mendoza still, and he's done it. Amiens three, Marseille one. Robbie, if you could just put your phone away and give us some 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 thoughts. Well, I'm trying to remember now that I said that quiz about Paulo Souza that there were four players that had won back to back with different clubs, and I'm trying to remember who they were. And I think I, I may have found it, but I think I'm still I- missing one. It definitely wasn't a Ligue 1 player, so I think we should move back. It was. There was one that won it with one Ligue 1 club before winning it the next Papa? year with a different club. No, no, club. Papa didn't win no, it with Papa Marcel. Des- Desai? Marcel Desai is one. Very Who good, Robbie. Very, very good, good Robbie. Points for Armel. Amiens yeah. three, Marseille yeah. one. Robbie, um, what did you think? I mean, Marseille were missing important players. We know probably five first-choice players out injured, um, but they should be doing better than that against Amiens. They should be. We saw, we saw it was a strange match because they really just lacked consistency. Fair play to Amiens. You know, I'm, I've said it just before regarding Montpellier, but I'm always one to give credit to, to the winning side rather than throw stones at the, the side that lost. Amiens were very good. Amiens started brightly. They had so many chances. They finished like they did against Olympic Lyonnais over the top of a, a Marseille side that just seemed to lose its way. There were positives. For Marseille, despite the despite the scoreline, I thought really well. I thought Benedetto's goal was superb. It reminded me of a sort of Gabriel Batistuta type or Gabriel Iguain, not the most technical. Gonzalo, Gonzalo. 
Gonzalo. <laughs> he does have a brother playing in the MLS, though, doesn't he? I don't know what his name Gonzalo is. Gonzalo Higuain, that, that player that, that's just pure instinct and bustle and, yep. and, you know, one, two touches, bang, bottom corner. Look, I didn't... I think full credit to Amiel. I was I was very impressed with and them. Full credit to Luca Elsner, who's come in um, in the summer. Nobody in France knows too much about him, even though he did spend some time in France, notably with the Loris family, and he's great mates with Hugo Loris. Um, who who wants to tell us a bit more about this coach and uh, perhaps why he's doing well? Well, he's from a footballing family, isn't he? Slovenian international who who actually came through the ranks, finished his youth academy playing. At Nice, he's, he's got a big connection with Nice. Yeah. Uh, his his dad played for Nice. His one of his brothers also played for Nice. I was surprised the first press conference I heard from him. He speaks Speaking perfect, perfect French. French. Yeah. Then yeah, he so he began his career at Nice in the in the youth setup. Uh, won the Slovenian Championship twice with. Uh, I think he's one of Domzale's longest ever serving players or most caps as well. The, so he's had yeah, a fair playing career appearance. So. Hey, well, what more do you want to know about Luca Elsner, the them detective? As well. Intr- no, it's interesting. It's He's on the case, for sure. <laughs> Actually, Dave is determined to, to paint no, him. Every time I look at him, he's got the coat on, he's got his hands in his pockets, the slick back hair. He always looks like he's contemplating yeah, getting the, everyone yeah. together in a circle and pointing I heard, out who did I heard the crime. It was, it was either Luca Elsner or Hercule Poirot for the job, and uh, Elsner got it. We, 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 we're going to, to wrap up, but just before we, we have our bon voyage, Robbie, you told me you had a good girl, you had a rant, and you haven't come oh, in. Yes, I do. Do, do you still have it? Um, well, it, yes, it, it probably should have. I, sh- I should have used it earlier. It's actually not uh, essentially football related, um, it, but it, 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 it remains a, a coup de gueule. Oh, merde, quelle bande de chèvres! C'est mon coup de gueule. Uh, as you know, Matt here and, and Dave and Armel, we're not far from the Parc des Princes. It's about a 25-minute walk, but with my bike, I can do it in about eight minutes. And so I've been riding and the bike got nicked. Oh, no. Outside the stadium, I came out. It was, I mean, we're talking a 5.30 kickoff on a Saturday afternoon. And I came out looking for the bike at a quarter past nine. I'd finished all the, all the translations on the, on the website. I'd interviewed the players. We'd done the subtitles. Everything was finished about two and a half hours after final whistle come back looking for the bike i'm gonna buy a beer or two and, Robbie, and just relax honestly no amateur, bike. amateurish how long have you been living in boulogne wait boulogne i mean but uh, and uh and i was how I long called, have you had the bike everybody i had there was a a transport strike in 2007 let's just go back in time and on the first day of the transport strike i bought a bike so i could get around i could get to work the strike lasted 10 days on the 10th day of the strike my bike got stolen <laughs> it was a sign I, w- I was devastated and then I, I called my, my partner who, who is our gracious host here as well most Monday mornings and I said look this is terrible you know and, and she's Italian and I said look I feel like a, a neo-realist character because there's a famous film called The Bicycle Thief by De Sica and his bike gets nicked outside a match uh, in Bologna and Bologna and everyone's coming out of the stadium and, and his bike's gone and, and, and there, there I was a neo-realist tragic figure <laughs> Walking back from the park. That's interesting, but Robbie, everybody knows if you're looking for a second-hand bike, you either go to that that website, I can't remember the name, or you go to the Parc des Princes during a PSG and, game, <laughs> and you've got an amazing choice. Um, bon voyage, guys. We do have uh, an international break coming up, but we're going to look ahead to, to week 10, and we're going to decide where we want to go. Where are the best bikes? Well, I think I, I want to have a, a busy international window. I know some people, not naming Andy Scott, uh, like to take holidays during international breaks. But <laughs> I, I'd like to go to Iceland for France's qualifier and then come back to Paris for the home game against Turkey because the atmosphere is going to be incredible. And then head to Nice the following Friday. Nice, Paris Saint-Germain. What a way to get Ligue 1 back underway. And the weather should still be good. I know we mentioned the weather far too much. But it has started to get a bit colder yeah. in Paris, so I'm looking forward to a trip. To I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Picard and not Iceland. That's a, a, an in joke for people who, who live in France. Robbie, where, where are you going to go? Um, oh well, the only one, the only thing I can think of is uh, as Paris Saint Germain slant on it, is to go to Singapore. It's halfway back home to uh, my place and see Brazil versus Senegal and uh, Idrissa Ganagay up against his trio of uh, PSG teammates for a little exhibition match. And then uh, when we come back. For the international break, 
Come with me to Nice, Rob. Yeah, look, Nice, South Coast. Probably a bit of sunshine left as well before winter settles in. I'm going to go, sorry, Armel, I'm batting in. I'm going to go to Bordeaux to see Arsenal's past against Arsenal's uh, future as Laurent Koscielny's Bordeaux takes on William Saliba's Saint-Étienne. All Arsenal supporters need to watch that one. Armel? I'll go to Metz to see uh, Metz, sorry. Uh, to go and see Christian Gorkouf's Nant win 1-0 again because I just find that very Goal in the second half quite late on. Probably Khalifa Koulibaly at some point. Yeah, 1-0 to the Canary. Fantastic. Quite scans Who knows? Well. Who knows? Nant might be top of the league if they can win that game against the bottom club Mets. Thank you very much everybody for joining us on Le Bourgeois. Uh today. We'll be back after the international break. Do take care. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Oh, what a goal! And Kylian Mbappe wraps it up.